healing. You mentioned the word, and anyone who is in need of healing and wholeness, or anyone who knows somebody who needs healing or wholeness, they'll pay attention. But healing is not only limited to Christians. The desire for healing is a desire that is longed for by all people everywhere in every culture and every nation, every tribe. It's a, an intuitive need and desire that God created in us to need wholeness and healing. Whether it is physical healing, whether it's emotional healing, whether it's a spiritual healing, whatever kind of healing that is desperately needed from within us. And because of that desperate inner feeling and inner need for healing, modern media has latched on the Siamese twin of spirituality and healing. And those have become the cry of many in our nation, if not a large proportion of people around the world. In fact, many successful television programs such as Oprah and Dr. Phil and so many others, uh, the reason they are successful is because they claim that they can bring healing and wholeness into relationships and healing and wholeness into lives and healing and wholeness to people. That is why they're successful. And here we are in the 21st century. We're beginning to feel that medical technology is inadequate, that medical technology cannot heal us. And so we are willing to give the so-called spirituality a shot, hoping that they can experience healing. They're hoping that they can find that wholeness that they are longing for, hoping that they can discover the missing peace of mind that they are desperate for, hoping that they can find the contentment that they want so much in their lives. I want to give you just an example of how this has become a desperate cry in our nation. And so many of your neighbors and your friends, that, that's a desperate cry. I want to give you an example. The University of Chicago conducted a thorough study. And they found that 67% of the American people believe in the supernatural. But wait a minute, not the supernatural that most Christians would understand. It's not the supernatural power of the Lord Jesus Christ through the power of His blood. That's not what they're talking about. Let me explain to you what they mean by the supernatural. The poll goes on to explain that 42% of Americans claim that they had contact with the dead. Now, that's what they mean by the supernatural. Another poll showed that one out of four Americans believe in the reincarnation. That's what they mean by the supernatural. This quest for the so-called spirituality is thriving even in America's heartland. In Iowa, Krishna College claimed that it was their meditation that brought about the downfall of the Berlin Wall. Never mind about the simple, humble Lutheran pastor in Europe who has been praying with his congregation for years, and God answered their prayer. They took credit for that. Maharashi Yogi, who is the father of TM, or Transcendental Meditation, he has declared that the mountainous area of uh, Watoga County in North Carolina to be the spiritual center of the universe. And there he is now building a 7,000-acre residential and re 
training center called the Heavenly Mountain. There, millions, they say, are going to come and meditate. And the meditation will be the guiding force for peace in the world and love and joy and harmony. The reason I call all of this shadow spirituality is because the shadow is not the real thing. It's the fake. Shadow is the false one. It's not the real thing. And shadow spirituality sounds good. Please listen to me. I know some of you are troubled by what I've been saying. So I want you to listen to what I'm going to tell you on this concluding message. You see, shadow spirituality looks good on the outside, but it is hollow on the inside. Shadow spirituality looks very attractive from the outside, but it's empty on the inside. They are enticing anyone who craves for love and peace and contentment, but they cannot accomplish these claims. I want you to hear me right, please. There is only one true spirituality. And that only one true spirituality is only found in the Holy Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit of God can only dwell in the lives of those who have submitted to the authority of Jesus Christ. Only the Holy Spirit of God, who is Jesus' gift to those who follow Him, to those who are His, can produce the healing of the soul, can produce the peace of mind, that can produce the comfort of our emotions. In the past few messages, we saw together the person of the Holy Spirit and how He seals everyone who belongs to Jesus Christ for life and eternity. Secondly, we saw the power of the Holy Spirit and how God longs for you who know Jesus, who have been sealed by the Holy Spirit, to be daily filled of that power every single moment of every single day. And today, in this last message in the series, we're going to look and see the promise of the Holy Spirit to the believers. And the promise is this. If you are sealed by the Holy Spirit, and He has His seal on you, and daily filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, daily, often moment by moment of every day, then the promise is that you will, not may, you will bear the fruit of the Spirit. That's a promise. That's God's promise. You know, I want to tell you something about God's promises. And I've been walking with the Lord since 1964. There's one thing about the promise of God that you can be absolutely sure of is that He always, always, always keeps His promises. He always delivers on what He promises. He's always faithful to His promises. In fact, one of the greatest compliments that you can pay someone is to say, this man, this woman, keep her word, keeps His word. Do you know why? Why is the greatest compliment? Because it makes you look like your daddy, your heavenly father. And he is the one who keeps his word. It makes you Christ-like in this regard. Listen to me. You and I know that there are people who make promises, but for some reasons totally outside of their control cannot keep that promise. 
I've been there. I've been there. Back in the days when I used to travel a great deal, and I'll promise one of my children that I'll be there for that event. You can count on me. I'll be there. (laughs) And then they canceled the flight, and I couldn't be there. And I know many of you have made these types of promises, and you are crushed when you could not keep them, but not anywhere near as crushed as the person who is waiting for you to keep that promise. But then there are people who make all kinds of promises that have no intention of keeping. There are people who make all kinds of claims and all kinds of promises, but they never, never keep them. In fact, I read this week about a beggar who's been sitting in the same spot day in and day out, begging. And one day, sitting in the same spot, begging, a man comes passing by, and he looks at him, and they look, lock their eyes together. And the man didn't have any money on him, and he said, you know, he said, uh, I don't have any cash on me. He said, uh, he said I'm going to go to the bank, and when I get some cash, I'll come back and give you something. The beggar said to him, he said, you would be absolutely surprised how much I've lost by giving credit that way. <laughs> In fact, I just read about this, one of those over-enthusiastic salesmen. You know, sales guys just don't over-promise. I mean, this young man was so overzealous, over-enthusiastic, over-promise, and he was selling vacuum cleaners in the backwoods of the Midwest. And he knocked on a farmer's house, and when he got in, he charmed himself into the house. Once he got in the house, he got a a hand, a fist full of dust, and he tossed him on the floor. He said, Madam, he said, if my vacuum cleaner does not pick up every speck of this dust, I'll eat it. And the farmer's wife handed him a spoon. She said, you better start eating. We have no electricity. (laughs) Be careful what you promise. But you know what happens? Because we live in an age where people don't keep their promises habitually. Because we have grown to distrust people's word and we say we wait and see if they can really deliver. Many of us have grown to distrust in God's promises. Because we think God is a man and he's like, so-and-so, and he's like so-and-so, he's like my father, he's like my mother, he's like my, somebody, my boss, he's like, and he's not going to keep his promise. And we have grown in the church of Jesus Christ, distrusting in the promises of God, let alone claim the promises of God. This is how it often works in many, the life of many of a believer. They see a promise in the scripture, and they claim that promise from God. And they pray, and they pray, and they ask for that promise, and then they don't receive the promise. At that point, they become disappointed with God. Well, God didn't answer my prayer. I prayed, and He didn't answer me. Here's a promise. But you know what most often the situation is? Listen to me. Most often the situation is that this person has never read the conditions of the promise. Most Christians only want to latch on the promise, forget about the conditions for meeting the promise. We don't want to meet those conditions. We don't want to even think about our conditions. We just want to claim the promises. I was talking to somebody the other day. He said, you know, I got this Jabez book, and I read, oh, God, bless me, bless me, bless me, and he hasn't blessed me. 
I said, have you met the conditions of blessing? No, what's that? So what happens when they don't meet the conditions of the promise? They don't receive the promise, and then they cry out, oh God, why? When they don't receive the promise of God, they accuse God of not keeping His promise. Let me tell you something, God will always keep His promise. So they live the rest of their lives, the rest of their Christian lives, not believing, let alone claiming the promises of God. I want to illustrate this to you. A friend of mine was telling me the other day, true story, a couple who were going away on an extended vacation. Their married son and his wife, their daughter-in-law, promised them not to worry about a thing. Just go and enjoy their vacation. They will take care of everything. They're going to mow the lawn. They're going to keep the house clean. They'll make sure it's locked every day. They're going to collect the mail. Just go and enjoy yourself. Within a few days, the older couple began to scratch their head. (laughs) What if they forget to lock the doors? Or what if the robbers will come in and steal all of our treasured possessions? Well, what about if they don't mow the lawn? What if they don't pick up the mail? What's going to be piling up in the... And within a few days, they cut their trip short and they come home. Only to find that the lawn has been mowed, house has been locked, mail has been picked up, everything was done. But they ruined their vacation, they ruined their time, in order because they could not trust their son and daughter-in-law are going to keep their words. Listen to me, God is not like that. God keeps His promises. <laughs> I want you to hear me right on this one. Think of how many Christians are living a life of turmoil. They are sealed by the Holy Spirit. They belong to the Lord Jesus. But they're living their life in turmoil. Because deep down, they do not believe that God keeps His promises. Because they have distrusted God to do what He said He will do. The question is, Do you meet the conditions? Do you keep the conditions of the promise? I want to give you an example. The Bible is full of examples. Jesus said in Luke 6.38, I want to tell you something. I staked all my life on that promise of God. Here's what Jesus said. He said, give, and it shall be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. We'll put into your lap for, listen to this, Because that's the condition. Give and we're given to you. But here's the condition. By the measure you use, will be measured the measure you get back. And so, so many people running around give God the crumbs of everything. They're chinching with God. Well, I give you this and you get this and I get this and you get this. and, And they give to God less than what they tip a waiter in a restaurant, and then they sit there, and when they get into financial trouble, or whatever trouble they get into, they say, oh God, but I've given you 10% of the leftover. Oh God, why am I not blessed? Why, God, you're not blessing me. Let me tell you something. Listen to me. What you are doing When you are not being a cheerful giver, and I'm talking about your money, and I'm talking about your energy, I'm talking about your time, 
I tell you what you are doing when you're really cheating God and not meeting the condition of His blessing? It's more than just cheating God. You know what you're doing? You really are insulting God. You're insulting Him. When you spend more money and more time on your leisure activities than what you do for the God who loves you, you're not only not meeting the conditions of His promises, you're offending a holy God. Hear me right, please. Whenever you claim a promise, read carefully the condition of the promise. So what's the condition of the promise of the Holy Spirit? What is the condition of you bearing the fruit of the Spirit. The condition of the promise of bearing the fruit of the Spirit, number one, is that once and for all, you become sealed by the Holy Spirit. And once that's done, daily, moment by moment, decision by decision, action by action, continuously, daily, filled, by the Holy Spirit. So what's the promise? The promise is that you will bear the fruit of the Spirit. What is the fruit of the Spirit? According to Galatians 5, and 23, the fruit of the Spirit is, don't ever say are, because it's one. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Shadow spirituality. And I've talked to enough people to know that they will tell you they want all these things. Oh, yes, they want them desperately. They want peace and they want love. They want joy. They want contentment. They want it all. Read my lips. They have deadly squat of a chance of reaching the goal. Why? Because love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control cannot be manufactured. They cannot be organized. They cannot be orchestrated. They cannot be primed up. They cannot climbed up to. It's a fruit. And there are two conditions for producing this fruit being sealed once and for all by the Holy Spirit of God and daily being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit of God in order to have victory in your life. Those are the two conditions. If you ever watched Harvesting of Grapes, you would know there are always two people involved. There is the person who's cutting the cluster of grapes. But then there's another person who's walking right next to that person with an open basket. And as the person cuts those clusters of grapes, places them in the basket. He will cut, place them in the basket. And he walks with the person who's cutting the fruit. If he stops, he stops. If he goes this way, he goes this way. If he goes backward, he walks backward. Always the basket is open and he is closely connected with the fruit cutter. That's how it works. That's how it works. If that person tries to shut the basket, he ain't going to get any fruit. 
If he tries to run ahead of the cutter, he ain't going to get the fruit. If he's going to lag behind, he's not going to get the fruit. As long as the person with the basket keeps the basket open and follows closely along with the cutter, then the fruit basket is going to be filled to overflowing with the fruit. But if the basket carrier chooses to go his way or her way, there'll be no fruit. There'll be no fruit. And you say, why? Why am I not fruitful in my life? Why am I not receiving? One of two reasons. Hear me right. You closed your basket. You're not being filled with the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. Or you're running ahead of the cutter or lagging behind. Listen to me, my beloved. You and I get into trouble when we do not stay connected to the fruit producer. The fruit of the Spirit is character, not conduct. The fruit of the Spirit is being, not doing. The fruit of the Spirit is the likeness of the Spirit. Now those who claim to be Spirit-filled and bear no fruit of the Spirit, they have either never been sealed of the Holy Spirit to begin with, or they have closed their heart. And they've ceased to be filled daily with the Holy Spirit. Spurgeon made a statement that has absolutely been a wonderful blessing in my life. He said, the grace that does not change my life will not save my soul. Isn't that powerful? The grace that does not change my life, will not save my soul. I want to tell you, listen to that very carefully. Memorize it. Write it down. You know why? Because a lot of people running around under the guise of grace, giving themselves a license to live and walk and practice sin. And they say, it's grace. Beloved, grace is not a license to sin. The grace that does not change my life will not save my soul. So, if you have no genuine love, if you do not have peace of mind, if you have lost your joy, if you are full of anger and greed and selfish ambitions, you need to ask yourself the question, am I sealed of the Holy Spirit? You say, yes. I remember back in such and such time, I came to the Lord. I committed my life to the Lord. In fact, I really pray every day. I read the Bible every day. I try to do my best every day. No, 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 no. God does not want you to try to do your best. Because when His Spirit fills you, you will do your best, best, best. (laughs) Ask yourself the question, when was it the last time that I come in the presence of God like an open basket? Say, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit today. Fill me to overflowing. Listen to what Jesus said. He said, unless you abide in me, you will not bear fruit. I don't care how many Bible verses you have memorized. (laughs) Unless you abide in me, and this is a continuous abiding, not on a Sunday, not on just a few moments of every day. This is a continuous abiding. So what does God do to his fruitless child. If you are sealed of the Holy Spirit and you belong to the Lord, you are His possession, but you produce no fruit of the Spirit. 
Jesus said, that branch that bears no fruit, he lifts up. What does that mean? The non-fruit-bearing branch, obviously, there's a reason why it's not bearing fruit. Most likely, it's growing downward instead of upward. It's growing into the mud and the dirt of sin instead of the sunshine of God. So, he takes that branch. He cleans it. He washes it. He takes that branch. He trims it. Have you ever felt this in your life? Ooh, I know. I've been there. (laughs) Brother, I pray every day. I don't want to get there. Listen to what Hebrews 12, 6 says. The Lord disciplines everyone whom he loves. Ooh, I don't want discipline, man. Oh, God loves me. He just, you know, kind of winks at me. He doesn't. No. If he loves you, he disciplines you. I'm not interested in disciplining my neighbor's kids. I'm only interested in disciplining my kids. So if you come and say, well, look at this guy. He's wild. He's doing this and he's doing that. He seems to be all right in his life. Well, he doesn't belong to the Lord. He's, God is not interested in disciplining the devil's child. He's only interested in disciplining his children, whom he loves. Look at verse 11. God's discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. Isn't that the truth? But later, it yields peaceful fruit of righteousness. Now hear me right. When we discipline our children, often it is because we love them. And most times it's more painful to the parents than it is to the child. As some children would say, not in the same place. That's true. But because we want our children to be successful, we want our children to be blessed, we want our children to be productive. And that's exactly what God does with His children. Because God knows that healing and wholeness and fruitfulness can only come when we are connected to the vine. That is why He makes sure that His children are connected and fruitful, even if He has to train us and disciplines us even if he has to take us to the woodshed at times, even if he teaches us the hard way, even if he has to train us us the hard way. Why? Because he knows what's best for us. He loves us so much. God desires for his children to be productive. He desires for his children to be fruitful. He desires for his children to be whole. And that is why he wants them to meet the conditions of fruitfulness. But the question is, are you balking at the discipline of God? Are you refusing to accept the his training program? Are you willing? Are you refusing to accept the conditions of his promise? My prayer is that for every person who's hearing those words that the Lord gave me this week to share with you, to say, Lord, I know I'm sealed of the Holy Spirit. And maybe someone here say, I'm not sealed of the Holy Spirit. I want to commit my life to Jesus Christ. But those who are sealed of the Holy Spirit, and say, Lord, 
I do not sit long enough with my open basket to receive the filling of the Holy Spirit and I made a mess of things. You can start today and then tomorrow and every day. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.